Superman? Dumping it out to Berkeley. Wow, he is so electric. Just making people miss everywhere. The Sultan of Swat. The King of Crack. The Colossus of Clout. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Draft Daily. I am so pumped for this one. We're going to talk about the Sultan of Swat, the King of Crash, the Colossus of Clout. And no, I'm not talking about Babe Ruth. I'm talking about Saquon Barkley. I know I promised you guys I would only talk about a player once, but Barkley's hate has just gotten too much, and we need to bring in one of the best people in the industry to talk about it. Graham Barfield of FantasyGuru.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Graham Barfield. Graham, how are we doing today? Doing well. Uh, I was just telling you before the show, you got a great thing going here. The, the, the daily pods are a great idea. Keeping them short and brief to, to get good info out of, uh, out of the people is a, is a great idea, and I'm honored to be on the show with you, man. I'm, I'm pumped to have you, and I, I know you're a fellow Saquon Barkley fan, but before we get into that, why don't we talk a little bit about this metric you have with Yards Created and all that work that you've been putting out? Sure. So Yards Created is something that I started in 2016. And it's basically my attempt to better contextualize running back play. And essentially on a per play basis, I chart how much yardage the offensive line is credited and how much yardage the running back then after the offensive line does or does not do its job, how much the running back is credited in yardage. And can you talk a little bit about how Barkley fared in that? I, I wrote an article up on um, my site, fan, one of the site that I work for, fantasyguru.com, um, about Barkley and about his game. And, and, you know, I've been doing this for now three years, and he is by far, I think, the most prolific running back I've charted. Um, he is number two in yards created per carry over the last three years. He's first in missed tackles per carry. He's first in missed tackles per opportunity, which includes not only carries, but targets. Um, he's also second in pass per execution, and he's pretty easily the best receiving running back to come out over the last three years. I, I, I know we want to get into this a little bit about why um, the Barkley hate is a little nitpicky, but to me, it's just clear cut. Like Saquon Barkley is the number one running back in the class, probably one of the best running backs to come out in the last 10 to 15 years. I mean, he's just a stud. You said it talks a little bit about the offensive line. Can you can you tell us a little bit about Penn State's offensive line? Yeah, I was really surprised. Like, I, I went into it. Um, I, do, I do a good bit of research before I charter running back. And most of the metrics that I was looking at beforehand showed Penn State's offensive line was, you know, average to bad. But they were well below average in my yards block metrics. In fact, they were the third worst offensive line I've ever charted in this three-year stretch. They were uh, just slightly better than Florida State in 2017 and, um, you know, like pretty much at the bottom 20th percentile of all of my yards block metrics. And not only that, not only were they bad, like on just on a per play basis, they were the worst interior blocking and yards blocked on runs in between the tackles. Um, just really brutal. And it's, it kind of speaks to how great of a player Saquon Barkley is. Not only did he overcome a bad offensive line, not only did he overcome a bad interior offensive line, he finished, you know, in the top percentiles of all of my yards graded metrics. And I think that's really important to understand because the, the big thing with Barkley is that his vision isn't good and that people say that he bounces the ball outside too much. And does he miss a hole every once in a while? Absolutely. I'm not going to try to say that he doesn't. But I think it's people have been throwing around this number that he uh, had the most negative runs of any running back in the draft class. 
and they are just ignoring the fact that his offensive line was pedestrian. People point to the Ohio State game that he only rushed for, what, 44 yards? And he had 21 carries, and I charted seven plays where the defensive player was already in the backfield before he got the football. Like, sometimes we need to stop just throwing these metrics out to try to prove a narrative. Like, Saquon Barkley is billed as the perfect running back prospect. He's not the perfect running back prospect because no one ever is a perfect player. No matter who you are, Michael Jordan talked about it all the time. I'm not perfect. I can get better. So if Michael Jordan's not going to be perfect, then we got to stop getting mad that Saquon Barkley's not perfect. So the, this whole narrative that we're going to find these numbers to back up this this fact that he doesn't have good vision, it's it's really a false narrative, and people are, are reaching for it, in my opinion. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, look, there are definitely times where Barkley will kind of hesitate in the hole when he's running inside, but I think that's a, that's pretty much a facet of him not trusting his offensive line. I mean, the interior offensive line for Penn State, no matter where you slice it, like you said, pedestrian at best. And I think I can live in terms of just charting him on a per play basis. I can live with one or two, you know, quote unquote, bad carries where he takes negative yards, where he should have fought to get back to the line of scrimmage harder, or he didn't see things well. I can live with those plays when Barkley's ripping off just massive runs, creating on it, creating for himself and catching the ball to the backfield, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. People... <laughs> I'm laughing because people keep saying he'd bounce the ball to the outside too much. And I think your metric had him, what, at over nine yards per carry? Outside yeah, of I have, what was that? Uh, yeah, I have it. Uh, he is now... I, we're kind of teasing some info here, but Nick Chubb actually overtook Saquon Barkley for the best outside uh, zone runner in my charting process. But yeah, Saquon Barkley created 9.3 yards per attempt on carries off tackle. I mean, he's just, I mean, it makes so much sense, right? Because like he has such an explosive player, both laterally, uh, laterally and vertically. And when he stretches runs to the outside and kind of gets to that, you know, outside corner, I mean, he's just got so much juice and he can turn on the jets on anybody. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just crazy to me. Like, if, if you don't think Saquon Barkley is that great of an inside runner, that's fine. But then you kind of have to factor in, like, he's the best receiving back to come out in a long time. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. And this is what we're going to talk about with, like, what we look for out of a running back. And, you know, I keep hearing people like, I wish he was better inside the tackles. You know, like, vision is everything for a running back. And I, I get that thought process. But at the same time, I'm like, it's 2018, man. Like, we're in, the days of running backs getting 25 to 30 carries in between the tackles and grinding out games are over. You know, and teams are in the shotgun over 60% of the time. They're passing over 64% of the time. And, you know, the other uh, comment I hear a lot is, well, you know, there's more first and second downs than there are third downs. While I appreciate, you know, being able to do basic math, I do also know that over second and five situations, NFL teams are passing over 80% of the time. And we look at what running backs we value most in the offense and what have a greatest impact on the offense, whether it's David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, even a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who people say didn't have a great rookie year. When you realize his impact on the team and all he did in the receiving work like that, that plays a huge role. And one of the things I always talk about is a guy like Bell, David Johnson, Alvin Kamara, these guys come out here and it could be like 11 personnel or 12 personnel and the defense has to match up with a certain number of linebackers and then you can split these guys out wide and you just create matchup issues all over the field. And Saquon Barkley is an elite receiver. He really is. He can catch the football. He can adjust to a football. But like, it's not just catching. We're talking about route running. All his traits scream great route runner, and he's already an established route runner. I mean, his 54 catches is second to only DeMarco Murray's 71 catches in terms of guys that were top 20 in the league in terms of catches the last two years in the NFL. Like Everything about Saquon Barkley screams elite weapon and playmaker and guy out in, the, out in space. And, you know, I expect him to have an Alvin Kamara-type impact in the passing game on top of what he can do in the running game. So basically, you're getting David Johnson at a, as a far superior athlete or a better receiving version 
version of Todd Gurley, and people are, are knocking this, and I can't quite understand it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's pretty crazy to me too because I went into this um, in like January, just like charting Saquon Barkley, or you know, whenever it was, like early February, and it's like, oh, this guy's awesome. Like, this is just you know, you know, he has a couple runs where he doesn't see things clearly inside, but everything else is just it's just great. And I've seen a lot of negatives, like you know, and, and just like you said, it does come down to what you're looking for. So with Barkley, he was split outside on about 15 to 20% of his roots run, um, which is really high for a college running back. Most running backs like Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, other than those two of the last like three years, rarely do running backs get split out wide as a receiver. Now he's put in the slot. He was put a boundary receiver and he excelled out there to, to your point too. I mean, his production, just looking at for per game basis, he got 4.1 passes and averaged 48.6 yards per game in his final year. I mean, that is by far again, better than the last uh, three running back classes. And it, it kind of touches Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey, but he still exceeds both of those guys on a production basis. I mean, he's, he's just fantastic. And, you know, I mentioned it a little bit at the top, not only is he a great route runner, and not, not only can he, you know, excel in the pass game and, and create yardage for himself in that, in that sense, he's also great, a great pass protect. He's second only to Ezekiel Elliott over the last three years in pass per execution rate at 93%. Ezekiel Elliott was about 94%. I mean, Barkley can play all three downs. He's fantastic on third down, and he's a great pass protector. I mean, I, I'm just confused why he's getting nitpicked so hard for, like you mentioned, small little errors that can be either coached out of him or, you know, you just kind of have to live with his, you know, 5% bad plays. Yeah, if you give me 5% bad plays and 95% plays where Saquon Barkley is destroying people, I'm going to live with the 95%. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. It's crazy to me. It's just like how our brains hyper-focused. And this is just, this is all humans. This isn't just like, you know, the Saquon Barkley and naysayers. It's like, we do have a tendency as humans to focus on negative outcomes rather than positive outcomes. And even if the positives dramatically outweigh the negatives, we still keep those negatives in the back of our mind and they cloud our judgment. And being, you know, being able to chart running backs on a per play basis has kind of alleviated some of that for me, just because I have to take everything in on a per play basis. I have to kind of contextualize everything, but it's very easy to sit back and, and, you know, slam Saquon Barkley for stopping behind the line of scrimmage and just kind of getting stuck in his tracks for, you know, negative three yard loss. But I mean, you, you also have to weigh that against the you know, the plays where he makes six defenders miss and he's just electric in space. I mean, it's just, it's a give and take thing. Do you agree with me that receiving is maybe arguably more important for a running back in terms of, you know, we always talk about running backs are easily replaced, right? That's one of the things we, that's really popular that running backs aren't a positional value. I think the receiving ability is what makes a running back have value, not only in terms of draft capital, but in terms of what he brings to an NFL team. Do you agree that that's kind of like the thing that separates guys? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, this kind of goes back to some of these, what we talked about at the top of the show, what we look for in a running back, right? So you mentioned that you know, that this is now a passing league. Now, 10 years ago, it was not that way. About, 50, about 57% of the time, uh, we could expect to pass. Now that's up to about 62 to 63%. It's trended upwards. On third down, especially if you're not sh third and short, it is incredibly pass-heavy. Most teams are incredibly pass-heavy in third and short. So I would agree with you. Um, this is now a passing league. I mean, we run in the NFL, the NFL teams run 11 personnel between 58 to 62% of the time. I mean, so you have at least three receivers on the field almost all of the time now. A running back's ability to not only be, be able to be split out into the slot or be able to motion out, whatever the case may be, be able uh, to, to be a dump off um, for his for his quarterback is, is huge now. 
Um, and it's just kind of goes back to how the game has changed, not only in the last 10 years, but really in the last three to four years too, about how teams are getting more multifaceted with their, uh, with their shotgun approaches, becoming more pass oriented, becoming more creative in their play calling. Um, and I agree with you. I, I think receiving now is probably just as important, if not slightly more important than being a very good inside runner. Because like you said, how many times do you see a running back slam in between the tackles 20 times a game? That just, it doesn't really happen that often unless teams have massive, massive leads in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people put guys like Rashad Penny and Ronald Jones over Saquon Barkley in their rankings. And to me, you're completely ignoring the most important facet of a running back's game in terms of being a game changer. I know we're just talking about all of Barkley's strengths, and I think that's really important. And it, you got the way I talk about it is basically Saquon Barkley is like LeBron James, and people are focusing on the free throws, which is uh, you know the fact that he bounces balls out, uh, runs out too often. But he does have a couple weaknesses. One I've heard that I don't agree with, and I'm curious to get your take is that he's almost scared to run through contact. He doesn't do a good job running through contact. This is not something I see at all watching his film. Is that something that you noticed? No, it, it didn't show up at least in, in, in the yards created coffers. Um, I also, not only do I just chart missed tackles, I kind of split them out by missed tackles forced by power. So that's obviously running through an arm tackle, running through a defender. I chart by missed tackles by elusiveness, which is kind of self-explanatory and, and missed tackles by speed. Uh, Saquon Barkley didn't necessarily score awesome in terms of missed tackles first by power. Uh, he forced at least one missed tackle by power on 10% of his carries. But that's kind of in the same range as, in fact, Dalvin Cook, who forced uh, one missed tackle via power on 10% of his carries in 2017. By the way, Leonard Fournette forced at least one missed tackle by power on 10% of his carries in 2017. Alvin Kamara, who we just got through uh, referencing a little bit, only 9% of his uh missed tackles were forced by power. So look, I think <laughs> this kind of goes, it, it goes back to a little bit, again, what we were talking about earlier, what you look for. If you want to slam in between the tackle runner, those guys are a dime a dozen now. You, you, can find, you can find those guys anywhere. But if you want someone that is highly elusive, highly creative, and can play out of the backfield, catching the ball, be split out as a receiver, that's what we, the NFL is looking for now is those kind of Swiss Army knife type players like the Kamars, like the McCaffreys, like Saquon Barkley now. I, I just can't imagine going back to those you know 5 to 10% negative plays and just hammering on them constantly when there are so many vast positives to Barkley's game. Yeah, absolutely. And listen – we always talk about running backs as a tough position to stay healthy. So if he can make a guy miss more than he needs to run through him, I think that's a bonus, right? It's one of the things we've seen with some running backs that they've, they've learned to not necessarily shy away from contact, but learn how to keep themselves healthy. And Barkley has stayed healthy throughout his entire career. You know what I'm saying? And he, he shows the ability when he needs the lower shoulder to do it, but he doesn't rely on it. And to me, that makes me feel really good about his health situation as well. Do you have a player comparison when you watch him? I was talking to Joe Dolan about this, who also is the managing editor at FantasyGuru.com. And we kind of think he's a version, of, like a slight hybrid of like Marshall. Like I, I, I kind of thought of Marshall Falk when I thought of, of, of Barkley. And Falk, to me... Him and Ladanian Tom, Tomlinson are the best receiving backs to ever play. David Johnson might get there at some point. But I think DJ and LT were, are a little bit bulkier, I guess I would say, in between the tackles and kind of can slam it in there a little bit better than Barkley can. But Barkley is such a diverse player. I mean, I, I don't know if I necessarily have one strict comparison, but I think if I had to pick one, it would it would maybe be full yeah which is one hell of a compliment and i always joke that my comparison for him is god just because he does things that other people can't do <laughs> but if i have to do a player i would say he's Lashawn mccoy meets david johnson 
because he's a much like better that. athlete than uh, David Johnson is, which is saying something because it's not like David Johnson's this bad athlete at all. I mean, he tested really well with his explosion numbers at the combine, but I, I think that Barkley's top end speed is incredible and his, his ability, his lateral agility reminds me a lot of McCoy. Like some of those cuts are incredible. The, the one that pops up all the time against Iowa where he runs down the sideline and he puts his foot in the ground, somehow st- decelerates. Incredibly that's that's not only just cutting, that's just balance. So, I mean, yeah. it was just, it was unbelievable. That was an unbelievable play because he had like ballerina-like balance to keep his body from going out of balance to stop and then cut back up field. I mean, I I, I know it's just one play, but I, I'm with you on that. That that Iowa game was um, the best running back game I've ever seen in my life. That's what I say all the time to people. If if you have doubts about Saquon Barkley watching the Iowa game, you're going in there trying to nitpick everything and just convince yourself that he's not a good player because that tape is as good as any running back tape that you can find. And that, that play with Barkley on the sideline probably shows as many traits in terms of uh, talent as any running back that you can find as well. Just, he kind of shows everything that he's capable of in that one play. Um, and I know one play isn't everything, but just in terms of if you had to pick one play to watch for a guy, that, that that's one to watch. Do you have an ideal landing spot for him? I mean, I, I know you're a big fantasy guy, and Barkley's going to be the 101 in Dynasty. He's probably going to be a first-round pick in startups next year. Obviously, landing spot plays a lot to do with it. But if, if you could control everything and put him on what te- one team, where would you put him? I know people don't want him to go to the Browns, but the Browns kind of have a pretty decent offensive line. And, and structurally, they are built to kind of run the ball, right? They don't really have a quarterback that can uh, really threaten defenses. So I, I don't really necessarily mind him going to Cleveland. I know they have two of the first five picks. So, you know, he's kind of been an attractive spot for them at four. Frankly, for fantasy, though, I mean, if running backs go in the first 10 to 15 pitch with picks, which I'm fully expecting Barkley to go, he's going to get opportunity. And that's what we look for at the end of the day in fantasy football is, is, is you know, who's going to get touches, who's going to get targets. And Barkley goes in the top 10 to top 15. Um, he's going to get those touches and targets. I mean, if I could have a perfect world, though, if you give me a perfect world, you give me Andrew Luck's right shoulder, fully healthy, and you give me Saquon Barkley in the same backfield. That's the perfect world. That that would be for fantasy stars aligning. You know, I know the Colts' offensive line has a lot of growing to do, but Luck and Barkley in the same backfield, perfect scenario for me. Again, Luck's health is a big question. Mark. Yeah, Luck's, Luck's health is a huge question right now, and that, that that podcast could probably take an hour if we just talk about Andrew Luck and the Colts and what that shoulder concerns could mean for the draft in general. And listen, I agree with you. Wherever Barkley's going to go, he's going to do fantastic. I mean, I haven't decided what I'm willing to risk yet, but if he, I'm going to say he's going to go top 10. I, I will put out on Twitter that I'll do something crazy if he doesn't go top 10. That's how com- confident I am that he's going to go top 10. From a football perspective, not fantasy perspective, I'd love to see him go to Tampa Bay, and I've talked about this a lot, but if they re-sign Cameron Brait and they run 12 personnel with Brait, Howard, Barkley, Evans and Jackson it's basically going to create a mismatch for the defense every single play and you're not going to be able to match up with linebackers or defensive backs and it's going to be an offense that becomes nearly impossible to stop and it's going to increase every single player's efficiency rating um, on that team and then from a personal perspective I'm hoping the Jets sign Kirk Cousins and they draft (laughs) Saquon Barkley because I know how well Cousins works the middle of the field and we saw how well he did with Chris Thompson and I think that could really do a lot for Barkley's game and you know just my happiness in general so <laughs> well look I mean we talked we just talked about four teams in the top 10 right you know the Colts the Browns the Bucks and now the Jets I mean wherever Barkley goes he's going to excel because he's just got such a great skill set and even if he's not the best inside um, in between the tackles runner which you know yards created does show that 
he's not the best. I mean, he it doesn't matter. I mean, he's just such a fantastic receiver that even like Christian McCaffrey last year, who really struggled because because of the Panthers' offensive line struggled, he still was an asset to that team because he can split him out wide in the slot and they can do all these sorts of different things for him. I, I just don't see um, number one why the the hatred on Barkley has gotten to the point where some people are putting him as a number two or three running back. I think you're just trying too hard to be contrarian there. But number two, I mean, his receiving ability puts him above and beyond pretty much anything that we've seen, at least in the last five years, in, in terms of running backs coming into the draft. I don't think I can say it any better than the way you just finish it off, Graham. So uh, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, you can follow me on the Twitter machine, at Graham Barfield. You can read all of my articles on fantasyguru.com. We are a completely free site until the uh, regular season and fantasy stuff starts churning back up. So all of my yards created content leading up to the draft, after the draft, will be completely free. Guys, he's a must-follow on Twitter, and I'm telling you, those Yards Created articles are fantastic. He puts some teasers out on Twitter, and it, it just makes you excited to, to click on them and read them, and you learn a ton about it. Guys, he's Graham Barfield. You can follow him on Twitter, at Graham Barfield. I'm Elliot Christ, as always, as your host. Please follow the podcast on Twitter, at Draft Daily Pod. You could uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We are now on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. As always, guys, we really appreciate listening. Thank you.